something we've been waiting to hear for all of our lives. So you may have missed it the last time, so <laughs> that's enough. So with the title called The Vineyard of Wild Grapes, that sounds really interesting. So if you're a grape grower, he's got something to tell, to tell you about spiritually. Then That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? I, I just uh, thinking about the week's events that have transpired, and I got it. To, it, it pushed me to this particular uh, message today. Give me a second, as I am a little bit on the thirsty side. I always have to wait till I get up here before I do that. You'll find it in Isaiah, the fifth chapter. Of course, Isaiah, in this particular chapter, has a tremendous amount, and I'm going to be able to get to it today, because I'm going to try to finish right at 3 o'clock. And uh, it was um, quite interesting, all the things that have transpired that we now have a a new president, new administration. Um, to me, it feels like kind of an old administration that was there several, about four, almost five years ago. Uh, some of the same things that uh, President Obama had put into place now are back into place. And so we are uh, living with a, a totally different administration, a different um, set of things that are being put out, and so consequently we'll, we'll need to um, watch the news carefully, watch things carefully so that we will be prepared for the, uh, the, the things that might come down um, to affect us as his church and his people, because I know some of the things that are being uh, published and those things that are going to, to come down may affect us quite uh, quite uh, strongly, so we, we'll be watching it, and uh, I'm not going to quit preaching. <laughs> Matt, Barnabas, and you know, none of us are going to quit preaching, so we're going to continue on. And uh, that's why I, I picked this particular one. It's, in, it's a very interesting one in Isaiah, the fifth chapter. <laughs> and it's, and in, by the way, I remember when Lawrence gave this uh, several, many, many years ago, that's uh, one of those wild grapes, and I, uh, it's been, uh, I, I, I may have been only a, a deacon at that time that I gave this particular one. And I know that I won't be able to do as well as he did on it, but I, I, I'll give it a try. Um, it, was, it was God's desire to have a beautiful and wonderful nation that he could show the world his way of life. And that's why he, he picked Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And they became the nation of Israel. And he brought them into the promised land and gave them all of that. <laughs> In the Bible it says that God told them that I will drive them out. I will send in wild beasts. I'll send in bees, and we'll drive them out. And the Israelites, hey, we love to fight. 
we, we just love the sword. And so God said, okay, you love the sword. I'll give you that. But you will fight in, on my terms. And so we, we find that they did fight on God's terms for the most part. When they didn't, they lost. When they did, they won. But he promised them this, this land. He promised Abraham. And he, and he set this covenant down through the ages. And then they kept sinning and sinning and sinning. And God became very disheartened with them. And so beginning in chapter 5, very interesting what he writes here. Now, will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard? My well-beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out of the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest of vines and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. If you look up that word wild, stinkberries. <laughs> this vineyard brought forth stinkberries. So these were stinky grapes that he brought forth, that they brought forth. And he says, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, the men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done uh, in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought forth stinky berries, wild grapes. Now, I wanted to pause right there because I think it's important that we look at what, that, that Jesus also used the ideas of vineyards to teach us some lessons. And so, at, at verse 4, I wanted to stop because I'll come back to this, these couple of last verse here. Let's go now into to, to Matthew. Um, now let me get my book open and make sure that I have the right one that I want to go to. Let's get in the right place here. And actually I want to go to Luke, the 20th chapter. This is where we find this one. So let's, let's turn to Luke as we pause here. And let's see that Jesus picks this idea up of the vineyard and uses it also to teach those around him about his life and his message. He says in verse 9, He began to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and let, and let it uh, forth to a husbandman and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant to the husbandman that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also, cast him out. 
Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. And it may be that they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance might be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do to them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard that, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written, that the stone which the builders rejected is the same as become the head of the corner? Whosoever shall fall upon the stone shall be broken, but upon whomsoever it shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against him. And so, even from that time down to this, we see that there was a constant um, hatred for God's chosen one and for God, because God had sent Jesus to this earth to preach the truth, to preach this message. And of course, then Jesus uses this for us. As we read this in, the, in John, the 15th chapter. And it's important for us to understand this vineyard for our own sakes. That we abide in this vineyard. I am the true vine, chapter 15 of John. I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. So you see how he ties this in, as, as he had tied that in before. And we see how God also used that in Isaiah, the 5th chapter, to show certain things. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. So he's using this analogy to help us to understand how important it is to stay close to Jesus, to be close, to abide in him, to, to have our hearts and our minds and our whole uh, life in his. And as we were talking about it, and, and Paul was very emphatic about teaching us those things, to, to stay close to Jesus, to understand what he wants in our life. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so we're to produce fruit. Love, joy, peace, all of those things. We're to produce fruit in our life. And we do that by a being and being abiding in Christ. He says, you can do nothing without me. But man, if a man abide in me, is he uh, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Pretty serious things that Jesus would tell um, his disciples. And in, in us, it comes down through the ages. And so we need to understand that he is very important in our life. As God the Father and Jesus Christ, they work together to bring us into the kingdom. 
As we go through the book of Ephesians, we're going to see the depth in which Paul understood our need to be close to God, to be close to, to, to Jesus Christ. He says, um, they're cast into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and I and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So we are, in our own lives, we're to find out how we can bear fruit, how we can abide in Jesus Christ, how we can live this life in that way. So let's go back to the Isaiah, the fifth chapter, as we pick it up here in this, in this vineyard that he planted, that he put together, and he says, all that come out of it was stink berries, stinky fruit. And so what's he going to do? What, I, I just, I, I did this, it was so important to me, and now go to, I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. I will break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it to waste, and it shall, be, it shall not be pruned nor dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no more upon it. And I, when I was reading that, I got to thinking about the hedge that God has put around this nation for many, many years. We have been blessed and blessed and blessed. And yes, we have done some things that probably was not good. We have, have made some grave mistakes, uh, some wars that we didn't need to be into, many different things, but yet down through the time, God, when he felt like that this nation needed to grow, he, he grew. Louisiana Purchase, the western part of the, of, of the country. Just imagine pioneers in the east taking up all of their possessions, not knowing what they were going to get into, and moving west. These pioneers, these women, these men, and these, these children, and some of them died on the way, and yet they continued to do that until... You know, railroads were built and different things came about. And they faced tremendous trials and tests as they did that. But God began to build this nation for one, and I think for one purpose. And that was because we were free and we could preach and teach and live the word of God. And as we see the hedge, being, are we going to see the hedge being taken away? The, in the years that are coming up upon us? Are we going to see things change? I don't know. All I know is the, the Bible warns against the certain things that are, that are uh, the, the sins that we do, the sins that we have. I want to make sure that I do. Um, there are six woes in the, the rest of this chapter that's very interesting. And I've got a couple of them that I really want to get to. And, and I want to make sure that I... I'm finished by three. So let's, let's go down now. Uh, let, let me finish the reading here. For the vineyard of the Lord of the host is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plan. 
And he looked for, for judgment, but, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, there was a cry. And, and sometimes we can actually see those things in even the, the country that we live in, the nation that we live in. So he goes on and he says, Woe to them that join house to house, that field to field, till there be no place that they may uh, be placed alone in the midst of the earth. And in certain parts of the, of the United States, like San Francisco, if you've ever been there, <laughs> there are no yards in, in some places in San Francisco. And in fact, the way they have to build those houses, it's kind of interesting. They build them one right next to it, up that hill, up that hill. And I was there one time. I don't think I'd go back today. I think it's probably lost some of the appeal that it had many years ago. But it was an interesting um, opportunity to, to see um, San Francisco from the perspective that uh, my eyes were able to see it. So God says that's, that's something that, that he, uh, he, he says that's a woe. That, um, and I write the word, I look that word woe up. Ah, alas, ha, ho, and woe. So any of those would go for this. So anyway. In my ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of vineyards shall yield one bath, and the seed of a homer shall yield an epith. Woe number two. Woe to them that rise up early, in the morning, that they may follow strong drink that continue until the night, till wine inflame them, and the harp and the viol and the tabre and, and pipe and wine are their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. And so consequently, in this society that we live in today, we see a lot of, of drug use, a lot of um, and then sometimes you get stuck with it because if you get injured and you need to start taking some opiates to help you, sometimes you get hooked on that stuff and you have to have help to get off of it. And there is help out there, but a lot of people just continue right on and get even worse in their life. But it can be from morning to evening, um, just a life of, of, of just being a... Um, a drunk and says no no, dr uh, no drunkard will make it into the kingdom and so those are things that we need to, to get rid of therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge they're honorable uh, and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst therefore hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoices uh, shall descend uh, into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. So we see there will be judgment. Those, those of us who are willing to, to change our lives, to live the way that Christ wants us to live, the way the Father wants us to live, we will have a part in the kingdom of God. We will have a part in that righteousness in the kingdom. We will have crowns that will give us, um, and we will also be able to judge. Because we will we'll judge righteously, but we'll judge out of God's word. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall be strangers, shall strangers eat. 
Now this one is an interesting. Woe to them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it is with a cart rope. It's interesting if you go and look it up. <laughs> so the word, words, uh, drag. Uh, woe to them that draw. And well that word draw actually can mean drag along or to drag. Uh, to draw, to drag, or to seize. So woe to them that drag along iniquity. We know what iniquity is. Perversity, depravity, guilt, all of those things. So we have, we're dragging along iniquity with cords of vanity. Well, a cord is a rope, a measuring cord or a line. And, and I wrote H2256 on there because there's another one down here that's, that's actually a, a different one, even though they use the same word. Um, a vanity. Well, vanity means emptiness, nothingness, worthlessness. This is an interesting verse. And, and, it, it, and sin, as if it were a cart rope. Well, a cart is just a cart. But the rope is an interwoven cord. So what we have is, we're, the nation, and I think we could talk about this nation, is dragging along this interwoven rope of vain emptiness and sin, and they are dragging it along in, their law, in, in this nation. We can see that, can't we? We can see all the iniquities, all the sins that are being dragged along. Roe versus Wade. January of 1973, millions, millions of babies have been destroyed. There was an interesting news article in which there was a cradle, and the headline was, the ghosts of the, the ones that are that were taken away, the young ones that no longer uh, exist because they were aborted. And so we, we've been dragging that along in this nation since 1973. And you know it's got to drag the nation down because God says he does not want us to sacrifice our children to Moloch. And that's what we've done. And I looked up the next thing that we've been dragging along. Ogerfell versus Hodges, June of 2015. Does anybody know what that one was? Gay marriage? Yeah. So we've been dragging that one since 2015. What we have a specter in 2021. And it probably will pass. And I don't know exactly what the Supreme Court's thing will be, but I'm sure that once it's passed, it will be in the courts. But the Equality Act will be passed. And consequently, many places in the world have had a lot of problems with that particular situation, and especially those that preach the Word of God. Because when that one is passed, you will not be able to actually preach 
um, Genesis, and some of the other books in the Bible that talk about it. Romans, the first chapter. You won't be able to, to, to get up here because you will be you'll be in danger of being put in jail. It's interesting uh, what's happening in our nation, but that woe is so very profound. As I was reading and I got to thinking, this is exactly what's going on. We're dragging all of these around. There's these cords of vanity and sin, and we're weaving them together and continuing to drag them. And somebody tries to stop it, they are put out of, the, they are put out of commission. Let's say, let him take, make speed and hasten his work that he may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come, that we may know him. Woe number four. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put uh, bitter for sweet and, and sweet for bitter. Now, I think, with what I just talked about, I think you can kind of draw the analogies of all of that, especially when they talk about certain things being good and they're really evil, certain things being evil and they're really good. I, I, we see it all the time in the news media and the things that are being talked about all the time. And one of the things that's come up recently, and I'll, I'll quit talking here in a minute, that I thought was fairly interesting is they've, uh, uh, they've tied COVID to COVID-1984. And we, we hear a lot about Orwellian situations. And if you haven't, George Orwell wrote this book in, 1980, in 1949. Of course, he looked at, he says, well, by 1984, this is all going to happen. And it's just fiction. But boy, when you read it and you realize the situations that he draws out. Here's this one right here. Page number, let's see, what page was this? Page number four. Uh, Winston is the, is the guy that, is, that lives in Oceana, and he is a part of uh, Big Brother. And on the, written in very large, eloquent, letter, eloquent lettering, are these three slogans of, of the party. War is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength. And it gets better as you go through the book. There's all kinds of interesting stuff in there. But God prophesied long before that that these things would come down and that if, and seeing certain things happening in the United States and and, and then not just the United States, but the whole world. It is interesting. So let me finish uh, the woes. Uh, that one was woe number four. Woe to them that call evil for good and good for evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And if you want to turn to Romans, I was going to go through Romans 1. 18 through 32, but you can do that. And you can look at that. Woe to them that are mighty and drink wine. This is, this is woe number six. And men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, 
As the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. About the time the 1960s started coming around was about the time that things started to change in America. And, and it began to, to be evident that the Bible reading, prayers, and different things in the schools was probably something that needed to, to be changed. And so consequently, that has, that has happened in a lot of areas. And now, um, schools are having to uh, conform uh, to, to newer things and different things. I was going to go through, uh, and I would like for you to do that, because I think it would be good for us uh, to look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, and live by that. Blessed are those that follow Jesus Christ and live by his direction, because we are his disciples. So you are blessed in every way. Blessed. That means you are divinely favored. Each one of us are divinely favored. So read Jesus' words, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and understand how he wants us to live in this society, no matter what. No matter what happens, this is what we need to continue to live by.